At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. This episode is proudly sponsored by NiceJob. Visit get.nicejob.com to find out all about NiceJob's reputation marketing platform. You can collect two to three times more customer reviews using NiceJob's specific review campaign, which starts with a text message and follows with up to three emails, ensuring that your customer has every opportunity to leave you a five-star review. New signups can get $50 off when they mention the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. Visit get.nicejob.com. This podcast is sponsored by The Master Group, and truck stock is extremely important. I used to do installs back in the day, but it's still a good thing to have truck stock that an installer would have in in your truck just in case, especially if it fits in a small box. So I used to use these sleeve bolts back in the day to anchor into concrete, which I found weren't the greatest. So these Cobra Parawedge anchors that I, I picked up from Master, actually, they it's a bolt that you put in the concrete. It's got a like a wedge head on the other end. And when you tighten the nut, it expands in a 360 degree pattern, which expands into the concrete. They look pretty cool and the feedback online is pretty cool as well. So check those out if you have a chance, if, if you go into the master group. If not, they're made by Cobra, Parawedge zinc plated anchors and check out master.ca. What's up guys, welcome back to the podcast. So I feel like Willie Nelson, so I'm on the road again, coming at you from the van on the road. Now, the reason I'm doing this is because I've just been so busy. The, the last podcast, I explained that. I sit in the van. I mean, I can twiddle my thumbs. I can listen to stuff on the radio or other podcasts. But I got a message for you. And I, I want to relay that message because I think it's really important. And just as a segue into this, if you guys listen to my podcast with Daniel Putnam, a few months back regarding building processes for your business. We're going to talk about that, but in the form of refrigerant leak checking. Now she went into the simplest form of a process that was written up and taking out the garbage because somebody hit a mailbox because the garbage can was too close to it. and, And she had to write a process for that, taking out the garbage. So in the parallel, we're going to talk about a process for refrigerant leak checking. It's really important that that we have one and not just go to town with a bottle of soap. I used to do that. I used to just go to town with a bottle of soap. I mean, yes, it's effective. Sometimes, sometimes not. But I think if you have a process that you follow and don't skip any steps, then you're going to be successful every time you leak check. So, a leak can come from anywhere on a system. Anywhere. It can come from a joint, obviously. A coil, obviously. It can come from a compressor body, which I've seen a few times, on a weld of a compressor body. It can come from encapsulated pressure switch, switches right down the insulation where the, the conductor sits in. Because that wiring is connected to the electrical side of the switch. If the seal between the pressure side and the electrical side 
goes, that refrigerant's going to leave that switch somehow, some way, and through that insulation is a path of least resistance, and it's, it's going to go that way. So just keep in mind, anything pressurized in a system can leak, can leak, and all of it's got to be checked, every single part of it, in order to find where you might have the problem. So we're going to get into that sort of like a, a verbal process, if you will, of, of the way I, I do it. You might do it the same way. You might do it the exact same way. If you don't, just keep an open mind and just sort of listen. You don't have to adapt to what I'm saying. I'm just letting you know what I do is successful for me, and it might help you guys. So let's get into this right now, guys. This is the HVAC Know It All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Welcome to the HVAC Know It All podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. So, first thing we got to do is verify that there is a leak. All right. Now, the system being empty, that's super easy because there's nothing in it. And usually in those cases, it's a pretty big leak, pretty substantial and usually easy to find. The tough ones is when you might have a reduction in charge, like maybe you've only got like 85% of the charge in there because of a slow leak. And that trips up some technicians because sometimes they'll think it is a metering device problem or a filter dryer problem when it's really low on charge, and those two things get mixed up quite a bit. There's a way to determine this, and superheat and subcooling are your friends when you're determining if there's a leak in a system, or if it's a metering device issue, or a filter dryer issue. Like traditionally, classically, if you have a a plugged up metering device, or a plugged up dryer, you're gonna have stacked liquid, right in the liquid line which is going to give you more subcooling because it can't flow through the device properly so you start to stack up liquid you get more subcooling if for instance you're working with a TXV right and you're not feeding enough you're going to have high superheat and you're going to have high subcooling so that's the same for a dryer as well and a dryer is very easy take the temperature difference across it If you have two degrees or more, get that dryer changed. Like two degrees or more inlet, outlet, differential across them, get that dryer changed because it's starting to partially block up. All right, if you have no differential across that dryer, but you have high superheat and high subcooling, most likely your metering device has a problem, right? Like I said, we stack liquid in the liquid line, we're going to get more subcooling because that metering device or dryer is plugged up. Okay, if that metering device is plugged up, we are going to starve the evaporator, put less refrigerant into it, and we're going to have high superheat. That's usually the way it works. Okay, so if it's short on charge, what's going to happen? It's, it's going to be a little bit different, but short on charge. We are not going to have as much liquid stacking in the liquid line. So we're going to have lower subcooling. But we are still going to starve the evaporator. 
So starving the evaporator is going to give us high superheat. So for a system that's low on charge, we're going to have low subcooling and high superheat. All right. That's the way we're going to determine this. And like I said, if it's out of gas, out of refrigerant, that's an easy one. It's the ones when we have 85% of the charge that's tough and you got to do a little bit of legwork. Now, those that are experienced enough can look at a system, especially if it has a sight glass, and know. Like, I'll give you, an indi- I'll give you a sort of an indication of what I'm talking about. And re- remember that I have a lot of experience with this particular machine, and I know how it's supposed to run, right? I've been doing maintenance on this particular machine that I found today for the last 10 years, and it has a full sight glass, full, all the time, right? I did the PM last week. The sight glass was at like probably four-fifths full. There was no restriction across the dryer. All right. So my HVAC six sense is like, there's a leak here. All right. So I, I skipped some steps and I'm being honest about that because of the experience. All right. And, and people, when they, they start to get more experience and get more confident in the way that the machine's running, sometimes that can happen. But again, sometimes you can get burned on that. So you got to be very careful. But I went to that machine, yes, and, and it did have a leak. But I'm going to talk about sort of the ways we go about finding the leak. That would be the next step. Because once you verify the leak, you have to find it. I don't suggest... There, I'm going to talk about internal sealant on this podcast. And people get angry with me when I talk about it. Because some people, some people assume that I'm a hack... And I just put it in if I think there's a leak. Well, no. There's, there's a methodical process that you have to go through and determine what the best course of action is. And a hack, just so you know, is somebody that's blind and doesn't give a shit. That's what a hack is. Somebody that's blind to the facts, doesn't do their job properly, doesn't use due diligence, and at the end of the day, just walks away not knowing. That's what a hack is. All right, so we're going to get into the next segment here, the way I like to find a leak. All right, so once we know there is a leak, we have to find the leak. And my old school method was just hitting everything up with soap, right? But I don't do that anymore. I just don't like it. I just don't find it's, it's the best practice to find a leak. So now what I do is I use my electronic leak detector. All right, and I sweep the entire unit. But before we do that, guys, it's very important to shut off any fans, right? Like, if you can't have the blower fan running when you're checking the evaporator, it's not going to work because it's just going to blow the refrigerant away that you're trying to capture with, with the electronic leak detector. If you're outside checking like a condensing unit or a package unit, You have to try to block the wind if the wind is going to interfere with any of your readings, right? And and here's the thing. There's been a lot of mistrust with leak detectors in the past. Innovation, technology, it's come a long way with leak detectors. Trust me, just like everything else progresses through time. And if you get yourself a solid leak detector and you use it properly, 
the benefits are incredible because you're going to find leaks very, very quickly, right? And, and you're not going to be guessing if that, oh, is that a little tiny bubble there? Is, is that a leak there? No, you're not going to be guessing. You're going to know, right? 100% you're going to know. And I understand leak detectors are expensive and I, I get that. And maybe you can't afford one. Maybe you got to go the soap route. But if you can't afford one, I'm going to tell you right now, get yourself a good one. And trust me, you will reap the benefits of having that on your truck. You will love it. You will enjoy the process of using one. Okay, so I use the Tesla 316-3. It's really well priced. It's economical. For the price, it's the best bang for the buck because it's found every leak that I've tried to find. If you want to go up the scale a little bit to something that has like a screen and some more features. The DTEC Stratus is a really good one, but it's substantially more money. It's got a screen, uh, it's got cloud hunting on it. You guys can do your research, okay? But I, I've tried both. They're both good detectors. One just costs a lot more money than the other with a little bit of added features, all right? So once you have your leak detector, you've blocked off your airflow or shut the fans down, you want to sweep that entire machine. The reason I say that is because I've seen in the past, and I've been burned on the past, where you find one leak and you stop. You fix it and don't realize there's another leak in the system. And when you go to pressurize the nitrogen after you've fixed it or, or a couple of months later, the system's short again, oh, there's another leak. But if you swept the entire system right off the bat, you would have found it. You would have found that leak right off the bat. And when you sweep the system, you got to check for anything that's pressurized. Anything that could have a potential leak. As we talked about in the intro, compressor welds. That's one that's happened, okay? Uh, joints, encapsulated pressure switches, down the wires, cap tubes, pressure controls that are not the non-encapsulated pressure controls that the cap tubes run to, you got to take the covers off of those and leak check in there too because it's pressurized. I've always been a proponent of protecting a dryer while brazing because what can happen with a dryer, and I've seen this, the paint can chip off. And what starts the paint chip process is when you scorch that paint it bubbles up, okay, now it starts to chip away. Now, if the dryer's in the elements, that could be a problem over time because I've, I've witnessed this with my own eyes. A dryer lost its paint, shell completely rusted out, and it's leaking from the dryer shell. You spray it with soap, there's little tiny leaks all over it. It's just become porous because of the elements, the rain, the snow, the sun, right? It's just eaten away at it. So protecting a dryer, if it's going to be in the elements, is something that I highly recommend you do so you're not scorching the paint. And it's, it's always the worst on the dryers with the short stubs. The ones with the longer stubs, sometimes you might be able to get away with, with not protecting those if you're good with the flame. The ones with the shorter stubs, you're going to have to protect every single time, in my experience, so you don't start to chip that paint away so you don't have a leak later on, right? 
so protect the dryer. But let's sweep that entire system with the electronic. Once you come across a leak, then you grab the soap. You grab the soap, you spray it at the spot that the leak detector has told you there's a leak. Okay, and then and go and verify it. Now, just be careful, okay, because leak detectors are very sensitive. They're more sensitive than a leak soap. Like, for instance, Big Blue, the sensitivity is a little bit higher than of the Testo 316-3. I don't remember the ounces per year off the bat that they can detect, but the sensitivity is obviously higher on an electronic leak detector than on soap. So just know that the detector might go off, but if you apply soap and you don't see bubbles, it might be because the leak is so small that it's going to take a long time for a bubble to develop or you need a microscope to like literally need a microscope to see if you have micro bubbles popping out of that leak might not be visual to the naked eye keep that in mind keep this in mind too if you're leak checking an evaporator and you you hit on a couple of spots on an evap because you have fins there because it could be the second pass in or something like that chances are you may not find any bubbles. And this is why I don't like bubbles for leak checking. Because you could soap the entire unit. There could be five, six leaks in an evaporator, but you might not pick it up with bubbles. You gas and go. You make up something. Oh, it was a Schrader cap. It was the core or something. Make up something on your work order and then move on. But the unit's still leaking. This is not exactly the best practice. This is not exactly the best process. That's why an electronic is very, very important to me, all right? Now, if the system's out of gas, you really don't have a choice but to use nitrogen and soap. You really don't have a choice at that point, okay? But if the system still has refrigerant, electronic leak detector all day is my go-to, and it's been that way for many years now, right? Because I just don't like applying soap to the entire unit. So that, that is my method from start to finish. Electronic, sweep the entire unit of anything that can become pressurized and then verify it with soap. But keep in mind that the soap may not reveal bubbles if the leak is tiny enough. And then of course, if it's right out of gas, add nitrogen, leak check with soap. But if it's right out of gas, chances are the leak is substantial. You're gonna find it very, very easily. And most times, maybe not most, but I'd say 50% of the cases, when I have to add nitrogen to a system that's totally empty, you can usually hear it. You don't need soap because you can find it with your ear and then put your finger over where it might be leaking and verify it that way. So you don't even have to touch the soap in about 50% of the cases just off the top of my head. So this is the method I use, guys. Let's go on next to what we do after we find the leak. Just quickly here, guys, a micron gauge that doesn't get enough credit, I think, is the, the Supco VG64 OTL. It's, it's a really cool gauge. It, it's, it's not as expensive as some of the other higher-end gauges on the market. And it links up to the TechLink app, which is powered by MeasureQuick. So you're getting the, the, the MeasureQuick quality app out of it as well. So check out that gauge, guys, because it's super cool. I'm actually going to use it tomorrow on a job after I fix a leak. I'm going to leave a link 
to a very cool animation of a Danfoss. Danfoss has some very cool animations of their products. I'm going to leave a link to a video, a YouTube video of a Danfoss hydronic regulating valve. Now I've seen these in, uh, in apartment suites. There's one building in particular. It's got a boiler in the basement. It's got two floors of apartment suites and one of these valves similar. I don't know if it's the exact one, but it's very similar on each radiator within the suite. And, and it basically balances flow through the rad and you can actually adjust it. It's got an adjustment on the top and you, you can adjust it. I'm going to leave that link for you guys to check out true tech tools, guys, make sure if you're going to purchase anything, use the code, know it all for 8% off. Now I heard there was issues shipping to Canada lately, but I've recently heard also that that issue is fixed. So if you guys want to order from, from true tech tools and you're in Canada, like there's certain things up here, like the true blue hoses, I haven't seen them around here. So if you want to order some of those up or something like that from True Tech Tools, make sure you use promo code KNOWITALL. And last but not least, guys, NAVAC has their summer promo going on. Buy a qualified vacuum pump. Get two free items. You can pick a half-inch vacuum hose, three-eighths vacuum hose, or a core removal tool. You get to pick two of three of those. So check those out. Let's get back to leak checking. Okay, so methods of fixing a leak. There are some people that subscribe to the fact that there's only one method to fix a leak, and that is with a torch and a stick of silphos. But that is 100% wrong. The industry has moved along, it's changed, it's 2021. And I'm gonna talk about some products here that I've tested and I, and I know they work in the right circumstances. Okay, but number one is brazing. If you find a leak and it's on a braze joint, fix it up. Okay, there's no reason why you can't pull out your torch, pull out a stick of silphos, and fix it if you know it's right on that joint and it's easily accessible. Not a problem. All right, the other thing you can do is cut that joint out and use a press fitting. Now, I've been experimenting with RLS, doing a ton of research, and talked to a ton of people that have used the product. It's a very valid very valid way to fix a leak, especially if it's on like an elbow or something. You just want to cut it out. You can press a new elbow in. You just got to make sure that you prep the pipe properly. You use the right jaw that go with the right fitting. Very important you do that. Okay, there's part replacement as a way to fix a leak. If it's an encapsulated pressure switch, like we talked about earlier, if it's leaking through that insulation, guess what? There's no other choice but to get a new switch and install it. That's how we fix that leak, right? So there's brazing, there's press fittings, there's part replacement, there's internal leak sealants. Now, I can't talk to, to all internal leak sealants. I know back in the day, I used them twice. This is going back many, many years ago. Use them twice. The first time I used it was because the Liebert coil was lit up like a Christmas tree because we put dye in it, because we suspected that we had an issue with the evaporator. Back then, we never had trusty electronic leak detectors. So it was dye, black light, lit up like a Christmas tree. We put a sealant in that. I, di I didn't find out what happened afterwards. That was my first experience. The next experience was a another system that had a leak in the evaporator. Put it in. It was shortly after the compressor was it was dead it was seized up 
was it the was it the sealant was it the compressor that had something else wrong with it i don't know because it was never cut apart to check but those are my two experiences okay until i was approached by cooler products to test smart seal and i went down that journey and at first i said no and 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 i said i don't trust them but then i went down that journey of learning i was stubborn i was closed-minded and i shouldn't have been and i went down that journey of learning and testing it I've tested it in a bunch of units. It's oil-based, it's non-toxic, blah, 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 blah. You've heard me talk about this before. And it is a viable option if you have a very, very slow leak in an evaporator to get a customer by. There are companies, believe it or not, that put it in brand new systems, and they've been doing this with luck, brand new systems because they're tired of warranty repairs. That sucks money from their profits and when you're in business you're out there to make a profit it sucks money from profits dealing with all these warranties so there's companies out there successfully doing this putting smart seal into brand new machines okay there's another a couple of products by cool air products that are also viable options i'll talk about one external this is a ac smart seal external so I had a rub through on a cap line on a water reg valve in a server room. And what I would do in the past is basically cut that cut that leak out, get a piece of pipe, put the cap tube in between, crimp it, and braze it closed. But my experimental phase with this product, I'm like, let's take this. It's basically an epoxy or a putty or however you want to call it. You, you knead it together with your fingers. Once it's ready, you form it around a leak. And I put it on this rub through on this cap line. It stayed intact, leak free for a year until that water regulator was replaced. It was fine. I've had a coworker use it on a, on a service valve that had a leak on it, put it on the service valve, wrapped it around it, and it held up. So this is another option. Now there's there's another there's another leak seal option by Cooler Products as well. That is called Fix Quick. Basically, it is a a liquid that you brush on with a powdered accelerant. I had another coworker try this on an aluminum microchannel coil, and it worked for him. So basically, you brush it on, you put the accelerant on, you brush some more on, and, and I I have a video on this on YouTube. I can leave you guys the link to that in the podcast notes. But is another viable option if you can't get a torch at it for whatever reason, or if you're uncomfortable putting a torch at it because it's all corroded and you might damage something else that's part of that coil or piping or whatever. So there's many options, guys. There's the good old brazing method. There's the press tool. There's part replacement, internal sealants, external sealants, like the putty and this powdered liquid um, or liquid with powdered accelerant and I've had experience with all of them and they all work if used in the right applications and it's always good to keep your mind open when it comes to this stuff right and talk to the customer guys once you find that leak and know where it is take them through what you can do for them right if it's it's a if it's an evap Tell them, hey, we got to replace that EVAP. In the meantime, here's something I can try. It happened today. The unit I was talking about, EVAP, 
porous, many leaks. This is a, a pharmaceutical walk-in. It's got tons of stuff in it. We can't shut it down right now. We can't have it running short of gas for the long period of time, losing gas over and over more and more because eventually we're going to lose capacity. Eventually the, the temperature is going to go up. Eventually there's going to be a service call. Shit's going to hit the fan. They're going to have to call in like a reefer truck, start moving the stuff around, panic stations all over the place. And this is expensive stuff. So I put Smart Seal into it, charged it up, and now we have time. Now we have time to quote, order, plan out when we're going to replace that evaporator or the entire system. Okay, and your customer needs to be educated and informed on all of this stuff. Let them know what you're doing and how you're going to do it. Right? And keep keep it in the back of your mind what you're doing or or write it down. Is it working? Is it not working? So you know for the next time. Right? Validate these products for yourself is what is what I would say to you because that's what I've done. Because once you validate them for yourself, you know they work and you're confident in them, you can go forward recommending them to a customer without feeling weird about it, right? Validation through your own experience. In closing, guys, the process of leak checking is what it's all about. First, verifying. That's important. Verify there's a leak first before we start to leak check. I've seen somebody go to town and leak check a system that was frozen up. They spent all day leak checking it, couldn't find a leak. A senior mechanic went in and found that the blower motor was dead. This is a true story. Verifying the leak, that there is a leak, is is pretty important. Verifying that that it's short of refrigerant is important. And we got to make sure that the whole system is up and running properly, airflow is good, and, and then we check our superheat and subcooling. Once we verify that there's a leak in the system, now we have to find the leak. Finding the leak, sweeping the entire thing, not stopping at the first one you find, right? Verifying with soap. Once you find the leak, now it's on to the options. What, how, how are we going to fix this? And I gave you guys six methods of fixing. Brazing, part replacement, press fitting, internal leak sealant, AC smart seal, and two external products that I've tested. And, and all six of those are valid options used in the right application. And customer, customer education is super important when it comes to this. And validating these products for yourself is super important for this as well. So that's it, guys. That's the process that I use. And these are the products that I've used successfully or methods I've used successfully over the last few years. So guys, I'm out. Thanks once again to the Master Group for sponsoring the podcast. Happy HVAC. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.